It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Pride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, and Adam Jones. We chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Look ahead to 5.30 tomorrow night and a trip to Anfield. Um, but first, we will reflect on a rather strange but ultimately disappointing evening at Goodison. Uh, Manchester City came to town, hogged the ball and walked away with three points, but obviously there's much more in between. Um, Preno, there was just, even before the game, the way that Carlo was speaking about the match and how difficult it was going to be, there was a sense to me that there was almost a not an accepting of the fate because that that would suggest that people had given up before the kickoff, but it almost sensed that how it played out was exactly how Carlo had imagined it would play out. I mean, were you, were you as did you did you read read the same or what were your thoughts of of how we played and how we approached currently the most difficult task in the in the division? To be honest, it, it, I thought it was uh, better than I'd anticipated. Um, I went into it thinking that, yeah, this is a team that's absolutely on fire, that's won 16 consecutive games, uh, has only conceded one goal from open play in those 16 games. It is absolutely phenomenal run. And it's, it's the best in league history, I think, uh, since somebody did it in about 1890, something or other. So, you know, that's what we're up against. But I thought the uh, the play was a bit more progressive than I anticipated. We caused them more problems than I'd anticipated. Uh, the end result was exactly what I'd anticipated. <laughs> no, I, I thought there were certainly uh, some positive to take from it. And uh, if things had gone a little bit differently on the night, you know, you've got to be absolutely perfect to beat a team that's playing as well as they are at the moment. And so, you know, you, you can't have any goalkeeping errors. And I think the third goal was a goalkeeping error. You've got to absolutely take every opportunity presented to you. So, you know, there's a core volley, volley that, you know, he, he chose to try and square back rather than, you know, sort of shoot a goal. If it had taken a different decision, then maybe. Uh, but no, I thought it was a little bit more promising than I'd expected. It was certainly more promising than the Fulham game, put it that way. Um, so no, you know, all in all, yeah, you know, it, it's it's frustrating seeing your team as outplayed as they were. But I thought we had more moments in that game than many have, you know, so over those last you know, sort of two or three months when City have just been untouchable. Just one of those teams playing absolutely electrified football at the moment. And uh, that looks like it's going to continue for a little while longer. As you you were uh, a couple of meters to my left on Wednesday night. Um, did you did you see that the same? Did you see as um, you know was our performance better than you expected? Uh, it was certainly better than it was against Fulham. Although you know, I suppose that that probably wasn't hard to be honest. All they all they needed to do was put in a little bit of application, determination, and effort. And I think to be fair, on the whole, they did. He did do that against Man City and, you know, for large portions of the game, while Man City were dominating possession, I don't think that they were necessarily causing too many, well, creating too many clear cut opportunities at the very least. I think, you know, Pickford was forced into a, 
couple of fairly routine saves in the first half. Uh, obviously, the, the I think both goals in the first half were probably pretty fortunate, uh, you, you'd have to say. And then in the second half, you know, with a, a couple of mistakes, you know, well, I'd say a worldy, a worldy from Riyad Mahrez, uh, which I don't think two goalkeepers would have saved. And then the third goal is just a, 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 a bit of a, a bit of a comedy of errors, to be honest. I don't think Sigurdsson tracks the run well enough. I don't think Michael Keane's good enough in, you know, uh, reading reading that little fake from Bernardo Silva onto his left foot. And as Prano says, I don't think Pickford's uh, good enough in his attempts to save save the shot in general. So, yeah, it, it was it was just a weird performance to look back on because at the end of the day, I think in general Everton didn't really play badly. I think in in terms of individuals as well, I think there were quite a few decent individual performances. I thought Davis was decent again in midfield. I thought Richarlison led the line very well again, for example. But uh, there's there's just really not much you can do when Man City are, that, are playing that well. You know they are they're the best team in the league for a reason. They're running away with the league for a reason because they just strangle you of any any sort of reasonable possession or any any way to try and break them down it, you know I, I can't think of a of a of a way to try and combat that obviously Everton just didn't didn't find a way to try and combat that with the with the squad they had at the weekend so it's kind of one of them really you know you with when you're playing against a side like that you were just so ruthlessly consistent at the minute you've kind of just got to accept performances like that I think sometimes do, do, do we have to accept the performances like that sometimes, as Adam says, or is there something that we can do, Carlo and the players can do, to, to bridge the gap even a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to refer to your excellent article of, what is it, yesterday, Phil, about what we can do. Let's keep the ball better when we've got it, to be honest with you. Um, that was the problem for me on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. we've given them an easy ride, aren't we, by saying, oh, at least it's better than fourth. You know, the fourth was absolutely dreadful, one of the worst performances in living memory. But and, and I get City at a, I'm not say, hesitate to say great team because I think you'll only find out good City are is when we've got some sort of normality in front of big crowds and stuff like that. I said last week, I think, you know, everything's artificial at the moment. So I'll only judge City at that stage. The disappointing aspect for me on Wednesday is how we kept the ball or how we didn't keep the ball. We treated it like the Prevago hand grenade on occasions. And there was a 20-minute spell, I think, in the uh, in the first half, probably, which included our goal, where you, you felt that we could get something here. Um, you know, where we had, had the Zakori chance, we had the goal, and and we just we just didn't keep the ball well. As soon as we got it, we gave it back to them. Everything was rushed. There didn't appear to be any sort of pattern in midfield. Um, and and you, that 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 showed the weaknesses, I think, in the team. And the squad feel that you you pointed out in the article, Abby, they need to do that better, far better. Um, I mean, what well, one of the reasons why I don't know what, what the possession percentage was was it twenty two seventy eight something like that on mm, um, something like that. Mm. Wednesday. I'll, do, I'll well, double check what I used to be. Yeah, one of the reasons why they had whatever seventy percent possession is we kept on giving them the ball as soon as we had. God, no, we had no stage. We have any sort of control possession during the game. And um, yeah, okay, that's City as well. They're the greats, you know, the greats off the ball as well as with it. But I, I just felt that we didn't do enough with it on, on, on Wednesday. And if we're going to compete with the likes of City going forward, that's something that we need to do. 
Whether yeah. we can do that with the current squad is, is open to question, perhaps. Um, whether we need more players who are capable of doing that. But it's just, just obvious um, that that was our weakness on Wednesday. Did the mm-hmm. other get-out-of-jail card or give, give the team on Wednesday? I think it was our eighth game in 24 game, days, something like that. Which for the limited squad, as we all well, well know, um, and some big games in that, some, you know, training games, yeah. extra time, ship to Old Trafford, playing City home in itself is a training experience. So fatigue, I think, also played the factor, I think, on, on Wednesday. Doesn't excuse it, but I, I did feel that we should have been doing more. I don't I don't mm-hmm. think it's enough just to say, oh, we got by, by City, whatever, 3-1, we expected that. We didn't disgrace ourselves. That's not enough for me. I thought we could... There's bits, bits that we could have done more, um, which obviously is relevant tomorrow as well. Absolutely. Well, what I, so, so just jumping, what I thought was quite irritating watching the uh, or listening to the uh, the TV broadcast on the night it was you won't have heard this, Phil, but um, they, they were talking that once the game had finished about City's next game, and they're saying, "Oh, right, okay, well, you know, City goes to Arsenal next." There's a possibility there, isn't there? That you know, so this could be a team that could, you know, so finally explode this uh, this incredible run. And before the game, they've been talking about Everton as like they were like lambs to the slaughter. Ali McCoist, like you know, who's normally quite generous towards Everton, uh, was basically saying he can't see how they could possibly get anything. I mean, hang on, last time I looked at a league table, I thought Arsenal would be low Everton, and it's almost like a perception that you know, so Everton are this like you know, so small team that were there to be taken to the cleaners, and you know, so Arsenal because of their reputation are likelier. Uh, to cause them problems, whether that's of our making, you know, so maybe because of the attitude I just articulated at the start of this, uh, you know, didn't really expect them to come out. I don't know. But, you know, so it's it's something that Carlo's trying to get away from and, you know, so mm. trying to talk about Everton as being a club capable of, um, of beating the bigger clubs more regularly. And it didn't look like it on Wednesday, unfortunately. The, the possession stats actually, Gav, were slightly more uh, generous towards Everton. It was 70-30. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 either way. Either way. That's you know. I, I expect that, but it's it's what we did with our thirty. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, I just felt we just didn't keep the ball at all, Phil, in, in the midfield on, on on Wednesday. We lost it too many times, and um, I, that's something that needs addressing going forward. Because until we can do that against the bigger teams, as I know we're talking about there, then that will help us get. Better results. Think about us again at Spurs. First game of the season, though, slightly different. Spurs aren't got the city of the first game, and they were really unprepared for the match. But we appear to have far more control with the ball on on, on that that day. Yeah, no, it's, it's something actually um, I wrote about a couple of weeks ago in terms of if you look, if you look across the what is it twenty two league games we've had now, on average we're, we're having less possession per game than the opposition. But obviously, we've done ever so well without the ball effectively this season. And, and you know, and I look back to some of the some of the really strong Moyes teams that got into Europe, and they would finish seasons with average less possession over the course of you know yeah. over the course of the thirty eight games. But I think I think for the evolution of the team, as, as, as you say, Gav, that 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 feels like it's got a shelf life or or a glass ceiling, so to speak. You know, we all know about the glass ceiling that exists in the league. It feels as though. We are going to have to be better with the ball more often in the bigger games, and not have to rely yeah. on defending deep and, and and everything that we've 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 trumpeted and, and, and praised this season rightly. And Carlos says we're so comfortable defending deep, but 
it's got a shelf life, hasn't it? And, and Carlo Ancelotti is not a manager with with limitations. He 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 wants to win everything, doesn't he? And and yeah, just 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 to finish off, no no team lower down division keeps the ball really well against the bigger team, Brighton. Mm. You know, yeah. I think last year at the Etihad, I think they had more possession than City. Um, and I think that there is that there is that element, um, you know, of it. And I just it doesn't necessarily mean that you can, you know, you don't necessarily have, have to have great players. You know, uh, I just think it's. It, the coaching, better tactics, better form- formation that fits the team, mm. um, which is a bit I, difficult at the moment. Just for the, just for the interest of balance, I should, I should point out that Brighton had more of the ball when they came to Goodison and, and we won 14. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I get that, but you can keep the ball. I mean, they, when, I yes, watch them, yeah. when I watch them, they do keep the ball a lot better. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think that's something that we need to do far more than what we're doing at the moment. But going back to what, I'm going to bore you here by going on about artificial nature football because we're chopping and changing all the time because people are injured and all this type of thing. Um, it, that, that hasn't helped us for anybody this season, to be fair. Okay, well, we, we, we've covered City um, and I think obviously now we, we just move on to tomorrow night. Adam, I wasn't too concerned, too worried, too caught up in the usual kind of emotion of of, of pre-derby games um, until both managers started speaking then all of a sudden it, it nerves on edge um, how, how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah I, I think I'm exactly the same to be honest I was saying to Sam earlier you know, before Carlo's press conference started I was thinking it just doesn't even doesn't even feel like the day before the derby and I think it's probably because of the nature that we've had over the last couple of weeks where it's just like game Game weekend, game midweek, game weekend, game midweek. It just keeps coming one after the other. You've hardly got time to think about that Man City game. And now we've got a Merseyside derby placed, placed at our feet. And I think maybe as well, the, the, the fact that there's going to be no fans inside the stadium as well, I think that kind of takes, in for me personally, I, I think it takes a little bit of the edge off going, going to Anfield, just a tiny little bit. But like as you say, once, once the manager started, Started talking and you know they started you know bringing up that Pickford and Van Dyke stuff yet again. Yeah, it just it just lit something inside me. I was just like, oh, I hate these games so much. Yeah, I really, I really despise that, especially the ones going to Anfield. Like, you know, Everton's record's been absolutely horrendous, hasn't it? Going to Anfield over the last few years, uh, us reporting on games at Anfield over the last couple of years, in particular, has just been. Well, a disaster. <laughs> I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Preno, I'll bring you back in here, mate, because um, we sat um, in the in the media room at Anfield uh, last January uh, to to the twenty twenty. Oh, don't bring that one up, please. Well, no, I think for, I just think it, I, I was thinking about it this morning, and we sat there and we saw the teams, and we and I believe, paraphrasing, we both said to each other, "If we don't win this one." We ain't covering another one, um, <laughs> sa- but sadly we're back and we're here again. And you know, I'll be, I'll be going to Anfield tomorrow. Does the does the um, does the fact that there's no supporters though that has to work in our favour? It does. I mean, a, a number of things could work in Everton's favour. Um, obviously, the issues that Liverpool have got in central defence. Uh, the fact that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is available again, the fact that Alan is back, 
Um, the fact that Liverpool have been a little bit vulnerable on set pieces this season, and that has been an Everson strength. Uh, and the, the biggest one, of course, the fact that there's no crowd in there. Uh, obviously, Jordan Pickford and uh, what happened in the, the first derby has been brought up at both press conferences today. Carlo dismissed it. Uh, Jurgen Klopp was a little bit more uh, emotive. Um, what did he say? That it's just probably just as well that we didn't play them, you know, uh, two or three weeks after that incident. But no, it's forgotten now. There's no real sounds, sounds exactly. it. <laughs> there, there was no need to be quite as uh, provocative as that. So we know that if there had been a crowd in there tomorrow, it would be a horrendous atmosphere for Jordan, Jordan Pickford to uh, try and come to terms with. So that's all got to work in Everson's favour as well. But the caveat to all that is what you just said and how you started. If we can go there and play a gang of children and still get beat, it makes you think that you know there is some kind of dark force at work here and this pagan pact with the devil that they've signed is going to work in our favour again. No, let's, let's be sensible about this. Let, let, let's be analytical. And yes, this is an opportunity for Everton. You know, they're a great side. They're the champions still for you know the couple of, another couple of months longer at least. And they're playing very well. They played very, very well against Leipzig in midweek. Although Leipzig had moments during that game you know, where they could have taken advantage of. So if Everton are more ruthless and more clinical than they were against Manchester City. And there was a league table uh, published last weekend, I think it was, might have been match of the day, that had Everton either top or second in the Premier League for chance conversion. Uh, in other words, the number of chances created, we've been the most productive in taking those chances. You could argue we need to create more then, you know, if that's the case. But if we can be ruthless and can be clinical, we can get a result. Um, but, you know, as ever with derby matches, you know, it, it's got a big caveat attached to it. And um, I, I don't know, they're unpredictable, aren't they? And you know, we always say this about, you know, Derby's been unpredictable and it generally goes away to see much playing better at the time, which is generally Liverpool. But there's undoubtedly an opportunity there, you know, and if Everton can get themselves together, if Carlo can produce a tactical plan that can use them, and he's very, very good at doing that. His record against Liverpool generally as a manager is pretty good. So, yeah, there's an opportunity here. And I don't think we should go into this, you know, as fatalistic as maybe we did on Wednesday night. I think there's definitely an opportunity if everybody is at it and, you know, so we can get, you know, a really good, you know, tactical plan together. Yeah, agreed. And again, just for the interests of of, of, of balance and facts, despite the recent run and, and, and this, this sort of narrative around their home form has suddenly become absolutely horrific, they're actually still second in the form table for home games. Played 12, won seven, drawn two and lost three. So... By their standards, I appreciate it. it. It is bad, Gav, but actually, it's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's when the three have happened, though, isn't it? Um, and then I think that Man United's in there as well as a as a draw. Just yeah. looking looking before twenty twenty one, both teams have got fifteen points between them from sixteen Premier League games, which shows they're not exactly the two form teams in the top flight at the moment, are they? I would imagine that probably put them both near the. In bottom six, or what the matches know thereabouts. Um, so you, you're not you're not look, looking at a game with two, two, you know, informed teams both playing well, which probably favours us. To, to be honest with you, when you talk, think about things, yeah. Um, when you look at their home record, it's it's the, it's the teams they've got beaten and drawn against, isn't it? There's a, there's a yeah. pattern there, isn't it? West Brom, Burnley, Brighton, as I say. Man City will, will set aside. Although, Gav, just, just, just to interject there, on that point, those those three games, you've got 
um, you know, West West Ham and, and Burnley, you would fairly, you would say, categorically would would, would play similarish type of way. Yeah, but as yeah. you mentioned, as you mentioned before, Brighton would play an opposite style of football. So yeah, yeah. Which, so which how do we go yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think I'd be looking at just their overall form, and, and I do think it, it is that it goes back to crowds, doesn't it? And stuff, and so I do think it's an opportunity um, for us. Um, I do, I do think as well. It's um, you know they, they won on Wednesday, so that'll give them a bit of confidence, perhaps after a couple of bad results. Um, but let's face it: if they play to their potential on Saturday, then it's going to be very, very difficult for us, isn't it? Let's face it. I think there's one or two chinks there. I think at the back, um, specifically, but it, it's going to be a difficult game, so we shouldn't be fooled by the current form. Phil, and I think, as you say, but I have respect to the overall home record. Having said that, the other thing is our away record is yeah. is is probably at this stage of the season better only by eighty four, eighty five. Um, so we're on a good we're on a good away record where we played well against the better teams in the division, haven't we? Yes. Leicester, Wolves, Tottenham, as I say, disregard a little bit, but. Against the Man United, I know we're a bit lucky, but we still scored today got a draw. Um, our better, our better away performances have been against the better teams. So I think there's there's hope for us there, isn't it? Um, yeah. well, we've only only lost so, twice, only lost twice on the road this season in the yeah, league, and that was back to back Southampton and Newcastle. And Newcastle, the, you know, yeah, yeah, torrid, perfor- torrid performances, but as you yeah. say, against against the better teams. Played very well. Yeah, and so if we can set up like we did against Wolves and Leicester, particularly man leads, then I think there's there's a chance there. But they're still a good team. Let's not be fooled there. You know, they're, they're still a good team with a you know a great front today, some really good players behind them. So we shouldn't shouldn't be fooled by their, their current battle at home, as you say. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ad, um, is 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 there any conversation to have about who plays in goal, given Jordan's recent history with Liverpool and his mid, to, you know, mid recent history? I think in two thousand and eighteen, of course, at Anfield. Is there a conversation to be had, or is this no? That doesn't come into anything. It's a different game. It's a new time. We've moved on. He plays. I think there is probably a conversation to be had about who starts in goal, but I think it's just a general sort of form conversation rather than looking at you know past performances against Liverpool. You know, as Carlo Ancelotti you know rightly said, I think the the game earlier in the season, you know, Pickford's going to have that like pushed right to the back of his mind. He's not really 
he's not going to be thinking about that. You know, the game, the game that you mentioned at Anfield with that last minute mistake. I think he's he's going to be well beyond that as well. I think it's it it, it does more come down to just a form conversation because I don't think it's a cut and dry thing anymore that Jordan Pickford is Everton's number one. I don't I don't think Robin Olsen is is definitely you know the backup anymore. I think he's a legitimate challenger for Jordan Pickford's shirt at the minute. And I think that's probably the only consideration that's come, going to come into Carlo Ancelotti's mind. And I think, you know, it probably works against Pickford that the one thing that people are going to remember from his performance against Man City is that he had a bit of a limp wrist for that third, third goal. I think, in general, his return to the side after injury was actually quite good. I think he commanded his area quite well. As I say, he made some, you know, pretty routine saves, but he was still making those kind of saves. So without that mistake, I, I was of course, yeah, he's, he's definitely a shoo-in. But after that little bit of an error, you know, the, the question does still creep into your mind. Is Robin Olsen just a safer bet? Because Liverpool are going to create chances. I think, as Gav rightly says, you know, they've, they've got a top quality front three. They're a really, really good team, despite what their recent home record says. They're going to create opportunities. They're going to have shots at goal. Who's going to be the safer option to have between the sticks? Is it going to be Robin Olsen or is it going to be Jordan Pickford? So, yeah, I, I do think that the question does remain over who's going to start in goal. I think Carlo's comments in his press conference kind of hinted towards the fact that it was going to be Jordan Pickford in between the sticks. But I think personally, I'd probably go for Olsen. <laughs> I'd just want to go for the, for the safer bet. But I can see why you'd want Pickford. I think, you know, I think he's got... He's got more of a ceiling to, you know, pull out a spectacular save, I would say, than Olsen. And I think his distribution is a whole lot better, which could be yeah. if we're going to be, you know, playing on the counter-attack or something like that. We do we do need to be able to break up the pitch a little bit better. But, you know, in terms of just, like, if, if it's going to be just a case of, you know, specifically just saving shots, you know, like Olsen did against Leeds uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think I'd probably rather have Olsen there. But, as I say, there's a conversation to be had. Yeah. Okay. For the for the interests of uh, uh, of debate and for, and for the pod, uh, we'll work on the assumption that Everton are playing four three three. So Adam's talk about the goalkeeper Preno. You've got defence. Who, who plays in, who plays in the back four? No Mina, of course. We should no no, no Mina. So th- this gives an obvious opportunity for Godfrey to you know play in his his best position, if you like. Um, I certainly don't want to see Holgate and Godfrey in there together, put it that way uh, again. No, I mean, it's um, it's a toss-up. The right back is the only issue, I think. You know, So I think it's going to be, as I say, Michael Keane and Godfrey, central defence, Luca Dean, left back. Uh, I don't think we're going to see any experiments with him playing left midfield on this occasion, which then leaves the right back situation, which is a strange one because Holgate, you'd imagine, is the more defensive option and Liverpool you know create such a threat down that left hand side. You know, so Robertson on the overlaps is like so important. So maybe Godfrey on that side, I don't know. But to me it's between uh, Holgate and Coleman. Now we looked a better team when Coleman came on on Wednesday. We actually looked a little bit more progressive going forward. But I just feel we'd be a little bit more solid and resilient with Holgate there. So I'm certainly willing to be uh, challenged and to be you know, convinced otherwise on this one, but I'll probably go with Holgate and Dinya as the uh, as the fullbacks yeah. yeah, with uh, with Keane and Godfrey as central defenders. Yeah, I, I would agree. Gav, you've got mid, you've got a midfield three to pick now. Alan's back. Davis is in great form. 
Decore is still running as we speak. Um, yeah. Gomez is back. Gomez is back, of course. Um, Delph was in the squad. Throw him in. The Man City squad or the uh, the squad. There's a conversation to have where the four to be had where the four four two is a better formation on Saturday, but we'll park that one. Um, <laughs> I think it's an interesting one, this isn't it? Because Alan comes back is an opportunity, but of course, the problem doesn't it? I suppose in in terms of selection, can you have both Alan and Tom Davis in the three? Not sure. Um, I, the one thing that would concern me about Alan saying, you know, everybody being pleased that he's fit for, you know, inverted commas. Um, if I recall when he came back last time, when he from injury, he took a time, didn't he, to, to start most of it. It took him three or four games to, um, to sort of get back to his pre-injury peak. So, I, I, even if he's there on Saturday starting, I'm, I'm not expecting to see a fully 100% fit Alan, you know, um, which is which I would also factor in. Uh, I, I think I think um, I think you've got to play Davis, haven't you? And I'm just wondering whether that's why he got subbed on Wednesday, you know, to save a little bit of legs for the Saturday, given the state of the game. I'm just wondering whether that was. I know he was one of our better players again on Saturday, on Wednesday, and he played one of our better players on on Sunday. I'm just just thinking that that substitution was with one eye on on Saturday. Uh, so I think you've got to play Tom. I mean, and, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, it's a it's a testimony to his improved form over the last month that Tom is not necessarily been the most popular figure amongst Everton fans. It'd be seen as heresy, you know, dropping him, wouldn't it, really? Um, so I, th- I think Tom would be out there. I think then it gets a bit awkward. You've got to have Takora in. I, I, was, I was thinking, Phil, I was going to text you on the game on Sunday. Was it, was it something you knew that we did when you said about Takora's legs last Friday? I can't remember whether he should play on Sunday. Oh, um, no, why he, did he look, look leggy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He'd he look like somebody who played too hard, hard yeah. games in a week. Um, and I was going to text you, think that you know, obviously something you, you knew because he, he wasn't at the races at all, was he? Sadly, it wasn't any, any informed. Uh, no, no. I, I know he's playing slightly out of position, but I think I th- you've got to play I th- the court. I, th- I think there is, there is an issue, though, isn't there? Because with with Decore and, and we joke about him running non-stop and everything, but there is, especially with Alan not being in the team and Tom has done really well, but there does feel like there is a reliance, I don't want to say over-reliance, but there is a almost an assumption that Decore will just mop up and he will do everything and he will be everywhere, but, you know, he's only human. Yeah, well, he's, he's one, of, one of the few players in the squad who's got pace and endurance, isn't he? To be fair. Um, and so you've got to play Decore, you've got to play Alan. Would I trust Gomez on Saturday? No, uh, probably not. Uh, a Wolby, well, Wolby may be an option from three for all we know. Um, just I'm just thinking that's Decore, Alan, Davis, I think, to be fair. I think you've got to select them three, yeah. Um, I mean, if it were me, I'd probably pick another person and I'm playing two up front. Well, oh, well, I, it, I, well it, my, my argument is, is Fabinho's not fit, is he? 
you know, so I think the other ends up playing Henderson again with the new lad Kavak, as I can't remember his name. Um, and I think that's their weak spot, the two centre halves. So I think if you play 4 3 3, I think you leaving the two centre halves with one forward, I'd rather keep them busy. I, I'd play I'd play the Charleston and Carver Loon down the middle on on, uh, on Saturday and play four in the middle. Or or would you even countenance the idea of playing Calvert-Lewin and King and Richarlison yeah, yeah, on the left? Yeah, yeah, or two two up top. Yeah, because I, I, I think that's I think that's where you can get at them on, on Saturday. Um, the, the only problem with that, if you play four four across the, the middle, you've got a problem. And if they they'll have three, they'll have three in the centre of the park, and we'll have two. Yeah, um, that's the only problem with doing that. You'd have to play a really tight four. Um, but the, the, the other advantage of playing four in, in the middle is you do, and Carlo's done that with Napoli, hasn't he? Flat four in midfield to stop their full backs getting forward. So there's swings and roundabouts there, to be honest with you. But if it, if it were me picking the team on Saturday, I'd play 4 4 2. Okay. I'd, well, um, again, I'd just. And that's it, again, Add for the for the purposes of discussion, if, if it was a three, who, who who's getting a nod, and then and then pick up where Gav said, and if it's a two, who how does that shape up for you? Mm, I think Gav makes an interesting point, but I think it, it, I would go for four three three, just because I think when you've when you've got two centre backs on one striker and the one striker is Dominic Calvert Lewin in the form that he's in, it doesn't matter whether you've got two on him or one on him. If you give him a chance, he's probably going to score anyway. I think. Whichever one of those centre backs takes him, like let's say for, for an aerial chance, neither of them is beating him, beating him in the air. So I think it, it, it's not necessarily going to matter as long as he plays well. Then I think that Everton have Everton have got an advantage almost, even if him even if he's playing against two centre backs. So yeah, I, I would certainly play Calvert Lewin through the middle. Uh, if it was a four three three, I think it's it's just got to be. Richarlison on the left and Hammers on the right, hasn't it? I think, you know, I've seen a lot of debate recently about Hammers and, you know, his defensive capabilities and not tracking back, etc. And to be honest, I think whoever we play on that right-hand side, Andy Robertson's going to get forward regardless, isn't he? He's going to get forward into those positions. Similarly, uh, on on our left-hand side, Trent Alexander-Arnold's going to be bombing forward as much as possible, even though we know how defensively capable Richarlison is down that side so I think to be honest we've just got to focus on what we can do going forward as Carlo said in his press conference we can't just sit back and you know cater ourselves to them and you know just set up defensively and allow them to hit us with wave after wave of attack I think he said his exact phrase was we've got to propose something up front and I think probably you know James Rodriguez is going to be He's going to be that kind of player for us, isn't he? You know, he, this is the reason that we signed him at the end of the day. He's an absolutely world-class footballer. We need him to break down teams like Liverpool. We need that, you know, little bit of injection of quality inside the final third. And, you know, if we've got him on the wing, on that flank again, we've got, you know, Luca Dean bombing forward on the other flank. That's exactly what Calvert-Lewin's going to need uh, in terms of like, crosses into the box. And, you know, that's the kind of delivery that he's been thriving off this season. So... I think that's probably going to be the perfect front three for me. And then, you know, if it if it is a four four two, I'd probably say Richarlison and Calvert Lewin would be the would be the perfect two. I think Richarlison, especially on a 
on Wednesday showed to me that he's still very, very capable of playing up front. You know, he was winning a lot of aerial battles. You know, he was dropping deep, connecting the play. He's full of energy in that in that game against City. So, you know, him working next to Calvert Lewin has worked well in the past. So I can see why that would certainly be an option. But I would say the four three three is still is still the preferred one for me. Mm. Okay, so here we are, drum roll time. Uh, predictions. Um, <laughs> I mean, of all the predictions of, uh, throughout the season, this is the this is the most torturous one, isn't it? Because we're all privately fearful and just accepting of fate, but you know, you've also got to be hopeful and positive and confident. Preno, how what how's it going to go? Two one Everton win. The, the natural reaction is to be fatalistic because, I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. 23 matches without uh, a victory, more than 10 years at home or away. Last millennium, last time we were at Anfield, never mind last century. And, it, and we've only scored 14 goals in those games, Preno. 14. Yeah, somebody asked me on one of our on a, one of our group chats this morning, uh, they read somewhere that Everton have only won four times at uh, Anfield since 1977. Is that right? And it was wrong because we've won five times at Anfield in that time, but one was a league cup tie, but so four in the league. I'm thinking, so I've been going to games since 1975, so four times in my living consciousness, Everton have won games at Anfield in the league which is absolutely shameful, but four times. So it has happened. It can happen. It does happen every now and then. So why not this weekend for the reasons that we articulated right at the start of the podcast? It's an opportunity. Liverpool have got to be slightly off their game and they have been uh, on numerous occasions recently. We've got to be right on our game. It's going to be tough because obviously we played Wednesday night uh, in a really exhausting game. Liverpool played 24 hours earlier. But had a journey back from Budapest, but you know, they're sitting on a plane, aren't they? That's not going to take too much hours of you uh, traveling back, but it's a possibility, so that's why I'm going 2 1. It's got to happen sometime. I don't know why not this time in this most unpredictable of seasons ever. 2 1. And if we're going to be really wildly unpredictable, that's a goal for Godfrey from a, from a corner. <laughs> well, well, you know, of those, four, of those 14 goals, Gav, I think. Four or five have come from defenders, you know, Keane, Pennington, Jags, Distan, um, Lescott. Yeah. Lescott. Why not yeah. Godfrey? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Um, it's not only that, it's the number of minutes we've had at Anfield since we last won there, isn't it? We've got like 20, isn't it, or something? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely. Um, I'm just, I, I think we've got to take not having a crowd into. There, I think if we were going there with the crowd, I'd be far more pessimistic. And it will just be typical Everton that, wouldn't it? For us to win on Saturday when there's no Everton fans in the way end, that that would be that that and then it'll be another twenty years before we went there, won't it? You know, that would be that would be so Everton, wouldn't it? Um I I what I would say I think it's a really important game in our season. Um in terms of going forward. What I would say as well is I I moonlighted last night on a Liverpool podcast, not in this country, <gasps> and and um, they they were saying that it's a massive game for them because they're really panicking about fourth place. You know, it's so mm. I think it's you know that the, the, their whole business model, isn't it, is based on getting in the Champions League. 
So it's a massively, although it doesn't seem like on paper, it's a massively important derby for both clubs, probably even more for them than us. So I think that there's a little bit of extra pressure there, which considering they haven't been playing well, also feeds into into that. Um, and with no crowd, I'm far more optimistic than normal. Um, I, I, I go, but if you're going to say centre half, Michael Keane's got a score. He's got history there, hasn't he? Um, um, and Burnley won there as well. So I, I'm going to go one nil, <laughs> Michael Keane, wow. because I always put that thought in my head that uh, it's going to be a centre half that that scores there. Uh, it's the hope that kills <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But I'm, I'm far more confident than if there'd been a crowd there. I, I must stress. Um, yes. But we, we've we've got a chance, far more of a chance than what we had against City on on Wednesday. It's yeah. Yeah. I feel awful now. I'm not. I'm not predicting a win. <laughs> to, to be honest, you just won't allow yourself to do it, will you? Well, that's it. I'm not allowing myself to feel any sort of confidence after you know the feeling that overcame me last January after that FA Cup game. You know, I'll I'll never I'll never think before an Anfield derby that we've got more of a chance of winning than after that game. So, like after seeing that game, it's kind of sapped all the confidence out of me. I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game for some reason. I think this has got the potential to be absolutely mad. And I really want to predict 3-3. Three, three, but I'm going to have do to it. say... Do it! Go on, yeah, 3-3. Three, three. Do it, yeah. 3-3. Three, three. Go on, I've been peer-pressured. I nearly said 2-2, <laughs> two, two, but I'll say 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, why not? I think, us... I think there's just... like I, I don't think either side can defend at the minute. Whereas, you know, both teams have, have got goal scorers in the teams. I just think it's it's got the potential to be bizarre. Well, well, I, I, I just, I, I think the opposite. I think that we will rediscover some defensive solidity, but I just can't see us. I can't see us winning. I think it'll be nil, nil, one, one, something like that. I, I just think that we'll get something. We'll get something, but it'll be tense and horrible. And I wish I'd never gone. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, but, for the first know. time this season, I'm not envious of you because I do. I hate derbies, you know. So I'd happily take two draws at the start of the season and not play them. So no, I don't envy you uh, being there tomorrow. Yeah. Well, hopefully it is positive, and hopefully we are toasting a first victory since September 1999. Hopefully, this this crazy season of unpredictability maybe finally it's when the uh, barren run ends. Let's hope so. Anyway, chaps. Uh, thank you very much for your company. Um, of course, the pod will be back Monday to reflect on the game. Uh, but of course, uh, I'll be at Anfield tomorrow. I'd also covering the game for us. So stay with us online um, for all the best analysis and all the opinion and all the reaction afterwards as well. So thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.